morning, everybody. Great to see you all here this morning. So glad you are here. Fourth of July weekend. Fourth of July is coming up. How many of you guys like fireworks? Yes, all the men in the room definitely raised their hand. <laughs> we like to blow things up. Yes, of course. It's just in our DNA. You know, it's, it's fun. Uh, I have so many fond memories of Fourth of July with my dad. Uh, he, uh, he always went all out, and uh, we went to the fireworks stands. One of my favorite times of the year was going to the stand and picking out the best stuff, you know. And we would try different things out and then make notes of the good ones, and so we'd get those again. You know, Pure Party was our favorite one. That's what it was called. It was amazing. And uh, I don't think they make it anymore. It's too bad, but it was awesome. But anyways, I digress. Um, so I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit this morning about a, a common phrase you might have heard in culture and society today. Uh, it's this idea that nice guys finish last. You guys have all heard that, right? The nice guy finishes last. And there's something in our culture that is obsessed with this idea of like retribution. You know what I mean? Like every action movie ever made is about retribution and revenge. They stole his dog. They destroyed his garden. Now he will destroy them all. You know, whatever. Some dumb action movie. But we all like it, guys. Let's be honest. So, um, but there's just this obsession with this idea of like revenge and getting back. And, and I was treated unjustly and unfairly. So they're going to pay. And it starts at a very young age. You guys all know, if you guys have kids, this idea of fairness Things have to be fair. I mean, it's amazing. It's in like one-year-olds. I don't know how, but it's there. Like, that's not fair. It's like, who taught you that word? I don't remember ever saying the word fair. Where, where did you learn that in your vocabulary? But, but kids and, and siblings, this is where sibling rivalries come into play, right? Uh, it's always typically over something like that. I was unfairly treated, or they got the popsicle, and I didn't get a popsicle, or whatever it is. And it gets bigger and bigger. I remember my sister and I, Oh my goodness, we butt heads like crazy. It got intense. And so with my kids, I find the same thing. They're, they're, they're uh, talking about, okay, this is unfair, this is unjust. And so there's this passion for justice. And we don't want to be nice. And I, I find myself saying that a lot of times to my kids. Okay, just, just be nice. Be nice to your brother. Just be kind to each other, please. You know, just be gentle. I remember that was the thing that we said all the time when we had toddlers. Be gentle. Be gentle. Be gentle. Because we had four toddlers at the same time. Um, so that was, that was not gentle. Uh, on us, even, you know. Um, but we, we say it a lot. And, but there's something in us that says, now, if I'm kind, if I'm nice, I'm going to finish last. Right? If I, if I put myself out, if I let them get the popsicle and I don't get the popsicle, if I don't say something, then they're just going to walk all over me. Right? And, and the truth is that does happen sometimes. Right? When we choose to be kind, we choose to be nice, we choose to reach out, we choose to be humble in our world. 
And people just take that and they just step on our heads as a stepping stone to the next thing. But Jesus was exceedingly kind. And although our culture will say kindness is a weakness, I I wouldn't call Jesus weak. It takes a lot of courage to be kind. It does, because it might not be reciprocated. They might not give it back. They might treat you unfairly and unjustly. And so it takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to be kind. So the title of my message today is The Courage of Kindness. Courage of Kindness. So we're continuing in our series this morning on the law of love. And last week we talked about forgiveness and how we are forgiven and what Jesus has done so that we might be washed clean. And we talked about the story of the prodigal son and how as soon as we turn our attention to God, as soon as we just slightly turn our attention to him, boom, he meets us with love and compassion and grace and showers his righteousness and kindness and goodness upon us as soon as we turn to him because that's how good he is and we are forgiven and we are made clean and we are restored to the position of sons and daughters of the most high God just because we turned our attention to him, just because we turned around and we came to him, he meets us where we're at and doesn't ask us to climb the mountain to him, right? That's God's forgiveness. And then because we freely receive that, now we want to freely give. We want to give out forgiveness to where we, we're not easily offended, right? Love isn't easily offended, meaning we forgive quickly. We learn the art of forgiving quickly as soon as, as, soon as the offense comes. Because if we, if we hold on to it, it grows roots, right? If we hold on to the offense, if we water it, if we nurture our offense, then it's gonna grow roots and it's going to poison us. So that's why we have to be quick to forgive. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit in us, right? That's what we talked to me last week. The, the only way we do that is by the grace of God, right? And so love doesn't keep an account of wrongs but erases all resentments, Right? washes the list clean. Love separates sin from the sinner where we can love someone even if they've wronged us. We can hate the sin, we can hate the action, but we can love the person because we see them as God sees them, made in his image, a son and daughter of God, our brother or sister. And then love isn't picky, right? Jesus says love our enemies even, even the people that come against us. So, that's what we talked about last week. And so we've been experiencing the love of God in our lives in, in different ways as we've journeyed with him. And a lot of times it begins, like we, when we talked about it, with him affirming us, you have value. He, we feel seen by God, that he's affirming who we are and how valuable we are to him. And then we experience his forgiveness and being washed clean. And then we also experience in all of that, the kindness of the Lord. His kindness. And it says in scripture that the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. So a lot of times, what causes us to come to God in the first place, what causes the prodigal son to turn around and go back to his father is the kindness of his father. It's the kindness of God that wants us, that draws us back to himself. 
which is so powerful. It's a powerful attribute of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the passage on love starts out with love is patient, love is kind. It is kind. And we see that kindness is a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And then Micah chapter 6, verse 8, a famous passage. It says in the ESV, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Isn't that interesting? Justice and kindness and humility. (laughs) Don't forget those parts. The movies kind of leave those out. Love kindness and walk in humility. Zechariah 7, 9. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Man, isn't that interesting? Hmm. We see that kindness is defined both as an attitude of the heart, a way in which we see the world, and also a physical act, like to do something, like do good for someone, serve someone, be, be kind, right? And so it's both. It's an attitude in our hearts and it's a way in which we view the world, but it is also us acting out from that attitude in acts of kindness. And so uh, if we're gonna learn what love is, we look at Jesus, right? We, if we want to know God is love, so if we want to know what love is, then we got to look at God. If we want to know who God is, we look at Jesus, the physical image, the visible image of the invisible God. So there's a ton of stories in the Gospels about kindness. I mean, there's, there's a lot, a lot of parables Jesus told. We talked about a couple of them already, the Good Samaritan. Beautiful picture of what kindness looks like right? The prodigal son, beautiful picture. And so I'm going to look at a different story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25. And he's talking about the end of time where the king is bringing all his subjects before him and he's deciding who are the righteous ones and who are the unrighteous. And in verse 34, it says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you, since the creation of the world. He's, re- he's rewarding them. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Like, we didn't see you in, those, in that state. And then verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Kindness. You see all these different specific instances of what it looks like to be active in doing good, right? And we see three attributes of kindness, seeing, caring, and serving. Seeing, caring, and serving. And we see this in the story of the Good Samaritan, right? It says that he saw 
the man who was beaten up and bloodied on the side of the road and he took pity on him or he had sympathy and then he bandaged his wounds and he cleaned him up and he put him on his donkey and he found an inn for him to, to be taken care of. And so he saw him He had concern in his heart. He was interested in his well-being, genuine interest. And then he acted on that. Same thing with the prodigal son. He saw his son from afar, moved with compassion, and restores him. And then the same in this. He says, when when do we see you, God? When do we see you, king, hungry and thirsty? No, you saw the least of these. You saw them. And then you were moved with compassion. You had concern in your heart for their well-being. And you cared about it enough to act, to do something, to be moved with compassion and to act in kindness. And so it starts with seeing. We talked about that before. But a lot of times it's hard to see when we're moving at a breakneck pace. Part of this comes with margin in our life. If we are going, going, going 100 miles an hour, it's hard to see the people in need in our life. Am I right? Because it's like if you're driving a car and you're on the interstate and you look out the window, you don't see the flowers, the beautiful flowers on the side of the road. You see blur. And the same thing in our lives. Part of seeing people is intentionality. It's choosing to be intentional to look, to look for someone who is in need of kindness. So seeing is having the pace in our life in the margin to where we can see and we can look and we're intentional enough to do so. And then when we see, we have care, genuine concern for their well-being. It's real. It's not obligation. There's a difference between feeling obligated to serve and feeling moved with compassion and having the heart of God. And that takes time in the presence of Jesus. It takes prayer and saying, God, change my heart to where... When I see a need, my heart is moved. Not just, I guess I should do something. You know, but let's be honest. That's sometimes that's how we feel. So we have to pray, Lord, help my heart. (laughs) Help my heart. And then we're moved with compassion and we act. Putting others' needs before our own, which is like many people's definition of love, right? Serving one another no matter who they may be. So there's lots of examples of this in the life of Jesus. Obviously, he was very kind. Um, And there's random acts of kindness, like him turning water into wine. That seemed like a very random act of kindness, right? There was a need. His mom says, hey, we're out of wine, son. And he's like, what am I supposed to do about it? And then, of course, he goes and turns his water into wine. It's amazing. And then he he feeds the 5,000, right? There's thousands of people that are following him, listening to his teachings and and, and then they're far away from the villages and are hungry. And he doesn't, he sees them and he's concerned about their well-being. He's like, I don't want them to travel all the way to try to get something to eat and faint on their way there. Let's give them something to eat here. And so he blesses the five loaves and the two fish, right? Multiplies it and he feeds thousands of people. He sees them, he cares for them, and then he serves them. And you see that with the 5,000. He does it again with the 4,000 people that he feeds and he cares for. And then you see all the different instances of healing that take place. Jesus seeing someone, caring for them, and then healing them. There was the leper who comes and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He sees him, he touches him, 
says, I am willing, be cleansed. There's so many different stories of Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus, he's walking through. Thousands of people are thronging Jesus. And this guy starts yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's just walking through. And then he hears him yelling. And he sees and he says, bring him to me. He has concern in his heart, care for him. He brings him. He says, what would you like me to do for you? That I might receive my sight. Boom, healed. Jesus is full of kindness. But I want to read this one particular story in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So tax collectors at that time um, were typically wealthy. And the reason why was they had authority by the Roman government to tax their own people, right? But they could tax them kind of whatever they wanted to. So if the tax was 10%, they could say, eh, today it's 20. And so they give the 10% to the Roman government and then they keep 10% for themselves. And so they became very wealthy. And naturally the people didn't like them <laughs> because they were stealing from them and they, they were traitors to them, like, and they were supporting the Romans. So, so this guy probably wasn't liked very much among his peers. He was chief tax collector, was wealthy, verse three. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He was eager to see him. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And I, I'm sure if he was trying to see, he's trying to look, you know, and then people see Zacchaeus, the tax collector doing that, they're probably like, get out of here. You're not going to see him. You know, they probably didn't like the guy, right? So he runs ahead. In verse 4, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So he went like down the road and climbed up in a tree and waited like, this is like a wealthy man, a prominent kind of figure, and he's like holding on to a tree, waiting for Jesus to come by. Takes humility. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, Jesus, there's a, throng, a multitude Thousands of people thronging Jesus as he's going through this place. And Jesus has the ability to see Zacchaeus. He sees him. He's not concerned with everything else that's going on. He sees him and he cares for him. Even though he's a tax collector, he didn't see that. He saw him first. And he cares for him. And then he says, I'm going to stay at your house today. Look at the multitude's response. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That's a lot. Verse nine, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus saw Zacchaeus and he says, that's a son of Abraham. Not that's a tax collector. That's the son of Abraham. He had the ability and the margin in his life to not be so consumed with what was happening around him, but the ability to see a person in need 
His heart went out to him. He knew his name, which is interesting. <laughs> I don't know how he knew that, but maybe you knew him already. But he had compassion on him. And then he says, I'm going to stay at your house. Because that's what he needed. He needed affirmation. He had money. He wasn't hurting, wasn't hungry or naked or poor. But he needed Jesus. So Jesus met his need. And then, look at this. Jesus shows kindness to him. And then what is Zacchaeus' response? Because of the kindness Jesus shows to him, he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, well, I'll pay back four times the amount. The kindness of the Lord led to repentance. He experienced the kindness of Jesus, and then that moved him to change the way he thought about life. And it changed his whole life. He turned it around everything because Jesus acted out of kindness to him. So he repented, changed his ways, and gave everything away. That's the power of kindness. See, this is how we taste. The world around us tastes and sees that the Lord is good. Kindness opens the door for people to encounter Jesus, a loving God. So Jesus shows kindness and Zacchaeus turns his life around. Okay, so what does Jesus teach us about kindness and about love? What do we learn from this? Number one, love doesn't react, it responds. Love doesn't react. It responds, Luke 6, verse 27 through 31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Verse 29, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Man, that is a tall order. Wow. Jesus is saying, do not react and repay evil for evil. No, no retribution, no revenge tour here, okay? Now, Jesus says, if they slap you on the other cheek, this one here. They steal your shirt. Here, no, no, take my coat too. Just incredible mercy. Immediate. The only way you do that is if you immediately forgive. There is no way you can show that kind of kindness without being quick to forgive. And so immediately, he says, don't react. No, no, no. Respond with love. Pause, ponder, pray. And sometimes that can happen in a moment, in one second. Deep breath. Respond. And I, and I know this is true. When I wrestle with my kids, you know, I like to wrestle around with them and stuff. And sometimes they hurt me. Accidentally. Sometimes, I'm not sure. But I, other, most of the time, I think it's probably accidental. You know, and they do something particularly that really hurts me and I'm wounded 
Um, and it's hard in that moment to not react <laughs> and to not just, them. <laughs> what are you doing? I'll just say, all right, okay, done, done. We're not, no more wrestling, no more, we're done. Okay, dad, just, I need a moment to recover. And I had a friend of mine tell me this story when he was, one time he was winter time and he was out and had that like jacuzzi and he was out and it was really nice. And his sons wanted to play a joke on him and so they made a snowball and they threw it at him while he was in the jacuzzi. You know, I'm, it's playful, it's fine. Only problem was, it was a huge piece of ice. And it hit him in the face. And he was bleeding. But he said, I remember in that moment, it was literally the grace of God. I, he's, I, I have no idea how I did not strangle my child. <laughs> it's like, but I just... And they immediately saw what happened. And he's like, you guys just need to walk away. You just need to walk away. <laughs> but he had self-control and the grace of God in that moment to not react, but to respond. And that's, that's love. It's that grace that God gives us to, re, to respond to hardship and to things when people treat us unfairly or unjustly. Number two, love doesn't require repayment. Love does not require repayment. Jesus said, how, how would you like someone to treat you, right? Okay, go treat others that way. But it doesn't end there. He says, you don't, and they don't have to pay you back, by the way. Love gives of itself freely the same way it was received. Jesus says, freely receive, freely give. Freely. It gives freely. And doesn't expect, doesn't expect repayment. Love doesn't keep an account of wrongs done to it. We talked about that. But also, it doesn't keep an account of rights done to others. Love doesn't say, okay, I did this right for you, and this right, and this right, and this right, and I've got the list of all the things that I did for you. So now... It's time. This is hard in marriage. I'll be honest. There are times where I'm like, I'm keeping a list of the things that I've done right. Like, all right, I did this, 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 this. And so when I want to do this, you better say yes. That's not the way love works. It gives freely of itself. I know you guys all know that. You guys have been there. You've done it. I know you know. It doesn't require repayment. Jesus isn't keeping a tally of all the things he's done right for you and expecting you to pay up. That's not love. It's freely given. Number three, love is kind to the ungrateful and unjust. Ooh. Luke 6, 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Then your reward will be great. 
sacrificial love and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Wow. He is kind. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. What did Jesus constantly tell the religious leaders of his time? Go find out what this means. I desire mercy, not a sacrifice. Go find out what this means. That's what I desire. He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Man, this takes strength. Because to know that you're being treated unfairly or unjustly and to then to continue to give, man, that is, that's hard. That is really difficult. And I think he gives us a little hint about how to do this in the very next verse. Luke 6.37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you judge others, then guess what? They're going to judge you too. The measure you use, it's going to be measured back. So don't do it. Don't do it. In other words, don't be quick to judge someone and label them as ungrateful and wicked. Don't be quick to do that. You know why? Because we've all been in that camp at some point in our life, right? We've all been ungrateful. We've all done something that's unjust, just like the people in our lives. And so he's like, don't be quick to put that moniker on someone. Don't be quick to label them. Love, 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 love. Be kind. We've all been there. So maybe if we start there, we we stop judging and placing labels on people, then it makes it easier for us to show love and kindness. And then lastly, number four, I know this is hard. This is hard stuff. This is hard. This is what Jesus told us to do, and that's why we need the grace of God in this. Number four, last thing, love is active in doing good. It's active in doing good. Jesus was described in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So what did he do with the Holy Spirit and power? He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil were oppressed by the enemy because God was with him. That's what he did with that incredible power and with the spirit of God in him. He showed kindness and he was active in doing good, healing, setting people free. That's what Jesus did with that. Love doesn't just feel the concern or care, but it acts upon it. Just like the good Samaritan. He didn't just have pity on the man that was hurt on the side of the road. He did something about it. And he spent time and his money to care for this man same thing with the prodigal son. He, he did something about the compassion he had for his son. He restored him back to his rightful position as an heir. Love is generous with its most precious resources. It's generous. What are our most precious possessions? Number one is time. That's our most precious possession. Love is generous with its time. Generous money is probably the next thing most precious to us. Our talents, but even our hearts. Love is generous. Just giving out freely forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness to people who don't deserve it. 
He gives freely, pours it out. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, follow my example. Do what I've done. Be like a child of the most high God who is kind to the ungrateful and the unjust. Active in doing good. Love is more concerned with others' conditions than our own convenience. Kindness isn't weak, as we can see. It takes incredible strength and courage to love people the way Jesus did. So I want to close with this. How do we respond, right? How do we respond to this love? How do we first, first we grasp, we freely receive the full measure of God's love for us. Jesus doesn't require repayment for his kindness to you. He's not asking you to pay him back. He's not keeping the list of all the good things he's done. All right, man, you got a, you got a ledger here. You got a lot of work to do to pay me back. No, because we cannot. We can't. We can't repay Jesus for what he's done for us. It's impossible. He gave his life. He gave everything for us. We can't repay him. So he's not asking us to. You know what he's asking us to do? Trust him. He said, I'm showing you my kindness, my incredible goodness. Repent. Trust me with your life. I love you more than you could ever love yourself. Trust me. Let the kindness of the Lord lead us to repentance. Turn our lives around and say, all right, I'm surrendering to you, Jesus. You got me. Your goodness got me. Your kindness got me. I I surrender. I give up. I'm going to follow you. You love me more than I can love myself, so I'm going to do that. So how do we receive this? We stop trying to pay God back. We receive his kindness as a gift and trust him with our lives. Stop trying to pay him back. Trust me, I did this for most of my life, to be honest with you. And I told you guys about it last week. I would wake up in the morning and say, I'm sorry. Like the first thing, I'd wake up, I'm sorry, God, sorry. Sorry, I'm just not, I'm just not doing it. I'm not meeting the bar that you're asking me to meet. And God's like, stop saying I'm sorry and start saying thank you. Let that gift of kindness that's received freely from him draw us into worship and gratitude. And then say, all right, God, I trust you with my life. That's how we respond to this incredible love and this kindness. And then we freely give it. If God is caring for us, that frees us up to care for others. Say, all right, God, you got my heart. I'm trusting you. You're gonna provide, you're gonna care for me, trusting you with my life. So that's gonna free me up to just look with love, to be intentional, to see, to care, to serve. Because you got me. You got me, God, so I'm free now to love others. The greatest freedom that we can ever experience in our life, I truly believe, is the freedom from self. Just from thinking about ourselves and and all the things in our lives that we need and that we want. And man, boom, there's like a freedom that comes. In the few moments of my life where I've experienced that, where I've finally broke through and stopped thinking of myself for a moment, it's the most freeing experience ever. Trust God with our hearts and then we can care for others. And this world can taste and see 
get weary, when we feel like people are walking all over us, and it's like, man, gosh, I keep on being kind, and I just, man, I never seem to get a breakthrough, and nice guys do finish last. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. God is faithful and he will come through. So Jesus has already done everything. He died on the cross. He doesn't have to do anything else for us, right? He doesn't have to answer another prayer for the rest of our lives and he's done enough. Yet he still does. Every day he meets us with his kindness. So would you all just take a moment, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in here, um, maybe there's an area of your life where you feel like you're just trying to pay God back. Man, I just, I'm trying to pay him back. Or, you know, one of these days I'll just get there and you, you find yourself constantly feeling this guilt, this shame, this obligation. That's the enemy trying to condemn you. God is not asking you to pay him back. He's asking you to trust him. Maybe there's something, some of you that are, you're carrying that, this guilt, I gotta pay him back. I just want you to say thank you. Thank you for your kindness and release that burden. Or maybe there's someone in your life that God is highlighting to you. He's saying, I want you to show kindness to this person. I want you to be active in doing good towards this particular person. Spirit, we just ask you to speak to our hearts, God. What are you saying to us? We want to be obedient to you. Just pray that you will speak to us, God. Whatever it is that you want us to hear, or that we'll hear that. And then we'll just say yes to you. God, thank you that we don't have to pay you back for all the kindness you've showered on us, God. We can just worship you and trust you with our lives, God. Surrender to you. And if you're in here and you say, maybe you haven't made that decision to put your trust and your faith in Jesus as the Lord of your life. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's simply trusting God with our life and saying, all right, God, I surrender my life to you. I believe in you. I receive your forgiveness. I'm going to follow you to the best of my ability. God, give me the grace to follow you. It's just a choice. That's it. Right where you're at, you can make the decision right now in your heart. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. If I could just invite the prayer team to come up the sides here for a moment. We're going to respond in worship. And if, if any of these things bring up something in you that you need prayer for, Maybe, like I said, you feel like you need you owe God something. You just want someone to stand with you in prayer. Or maybe you uh, felt like there's someone that you need to show kindness to and you, and you just need to ask God for forgiveness because you haven't been kind to someone. Or maybe you made that decision today and you said, this is the first time I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to really get real with God. We want to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd invite you to come. Everyone just stand to your feet in this moment. We're going to respond in worship. I just encourage you, right where you are, God is in the room. The Spirit of God is here. So let's respond. Let's receive freely from him his kindness. Let's respond in worship and gratitude.
Help us out in another way for the VBS. We have something hanging on the Say Yes wall, and those are little um, cards, and they're items that we need from, there's Amazon or Walmart as like the two options. So uh, there's a whole stack of them. If you get a whole stack, then that's how many of those things that we need. So there might be 10 in a stack, or three, or two, or one. Um, there's something on there that's kind of crazy, and it's a full-size skeleton. If you want to buy a skeleton for us, Awesome. Um, but that was just a, a little quick announcement. We need it uh, just next Sunday. If you can bring whatever you can, that would be great. Awesome. Yay. Thank you, uh, guys. Listen, yeah, we love you guys. Tonight, again, launch yes. team meetings at 5. We love five to see o'clock. you guys here. Um, love you guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>